You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, where I'm here to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Today, I am sharing a really, really awesome conversation that I had with a holistic and biologic dentist, Dr. Mark Danola, and biological dentistry is something that was kind of introduced to me within the last year because my mom was supposed to go see one due to mercury fillings that she had that was causing inflammation, and um, it actually, her mercury fillings that they found inflammation on were on the same side as her cancer, and so she was supposed to get them extracted, and um, unfortunately, she just like never made it to the biological dentist at the holistic oncology center that we were at because she just she was she was already regressing like quite quickly. So, anyways, not to start this off on a negative note, but like that is kind of like the first thing that introduced me to biological dentistry and kind of the connection that our mouth and oral health can have with the rest of our body and how it's not just about keeping our teeth white and clean and, you know, going about our way, but it's how can we really take a look at our oral health and how that affects the, the, the whole rest of our body. And so I'm really excited for you guys to hear this conversation that I had with Dr. Mark. It was such a fun conversation and I learned a lot. I've actually been seeing a biological dentist for probably about nine months now. I'm just going more for preventative maintenance and I'd rather go to a dentist who is a little bit more holistic minded. And so I have been seeing one here in Rochester and it's been going really well. I haven't needed anything like crazy. I haven't needed any like extractions or any crazy work that would really separate them potentially from more conventional. But nonetheless, it is nice to to go to somebody who, you know, just aligns a little bit more with me and yeah, so but this conversation with Dr. Mark was really, really awesome. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. He has been on the Wise Traditions podcast before, which is one of my favorite podcasts. So if you guys are a fan of that podcast, you might have heard him over there. But I think you guys are going to learn a lot about oral health, all of his favorite kind of biological dentistry tips and things that you can start doing now to have better oral care, which therefore will translate to just better health in general. So enjoy. All right. So Dr. Mark Danola, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We were having some awesome conversation before we hit record. So I'm glad that we hit record, are able to kind of capture all this stuff. I'm just so excited to have you on and chat about all things holistic and biological dentistry and your journey with all of that. Well, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us, you know, we kind of all have, you know, a journey that leads us to where we are now. So Tell us a little bit about yours, where you started, and kind of what led you to doing and practicing what you what you do now. Well, I uh, I like to start to say that I I wanted to be a dentist since I was eight years old, which is a little peculiar, I guess, in some ways. But I kind of liked my dentist when I was a kid, and I, my mom's an artist, and so I like to work with my hands, and I thought it would be an interesting profession. So early on, I thought it might be fun. And uh, so wound up in about uh, 1984, deciding, yes, I want to go to to uh, college and then become a dentist. So went to dental, dental school, graduated in 93, and 
basically did conventional dentistry as we know it, traditional dentistry as we know it, which is uh, really no, uh, not really looking at the whole body necessarily, more about the mechanics of it, I would say. We have uh, recently, all dentists have recently looked at the connections between gum disease and overall body health. So it's not like we were blind to it, but I would say in about uh, 2009, I was introduced to the subject of biological dentistry through a, a newsletter. And the newsletter was just a non-for-profit uh, newsletter called DAMS, which is uh, out in Minneapolis. <clears throat> and it really discussed uh, what, what amalgam fillings were. And I was kind of upset, <laughs> to say the least. I guess I was upset because uh, we were told that these these fillings were stable. And so I, I could go down a big, I know you guys say rabbit hole all the time, your generation, but the rabbit hole is interesting to say rabbit hole because the rabbit hole comes from Alice in Wonderland and Alice in Wonderland, there was the Mad Hatter. And so Mercury, you know, you could connect all the dots between saying rabbit hole and Alice in Wonderland with the Mercury. But um, anyway, so uh, just dove into kind of like your journey where you just start reading everything you can about how things are connecting. And uh, I bought an iPad back then. Uh, it was my first iPad just because I had so much to read and papers. And then learn about nutrition through the organization called the IAOMT, which is the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. And they really, I, you know, I would say I wouldn't be as healthy and, and uh, as spirited and and intelligent, I would say also, uh, just not knowing that group. And that's, that's something for your audience to look up because they can, they can by geographic location, know where there's a holistic dentist that maybe understands these things. Um, and I can repeat that it's the international Academy of oral medicine and toxicology. And, uh, that's where I got, got my, uh, holistic legs, I would say. And, and, um, you know, since then, it's just one thing after another, learning the connections between. I, I really was working on my master's in physiology in dental school, and I, I always love to know pathways. And, and so I always look at physiology. I look at um, how things work in the body, but I also look at all the way down to the cellular level in terms of a, you know, a particular organ or system, organ system or cell and how it works. So you come to find out mercury really does destroy uh, a lot of the apparatus for making energy in the, in the mitochondria, which your audience probably knows what that is. But it also screws up a host of uh, enzyme systems, and um, it also targets certain organs. So anyway, that's what I'm doing now, and I've been a dentist since 93, but holistic since, since 2009, and now I... I do mercury safe removal and I also deal with other hidden infections like, uh, like root canals that, that appear maybe okay. But then when we look at them in a 3d environment, we see that they may not be, be working so well, but, um, I could go on and on, but you can keep asking me questions. I think that might be better for your audience than me just, uh, just going on, on and on. Yeah. No, I mean, no, that was, that was all great. So it's so funny that you talked about, uh, like the last part that you just said about underlying infections. I just had a, I had a patient who she sent me a picture of her mouth and like they were extracting some things and underneath what was, you know, looked totally healthy 
like complete uh, necrosis, right? Black and you know, just like uh, and and how long would that have stayed in her? Because you know, you don't necessarily exhibit symptoms necessarily. You don't necessarily exhibit symptoms from having mercury in your teeth until kind of you know it starts to overflow your toxic bucket. And so was it for you that kind of switch that flipped to become a little bit more like questioning, you know, is mercury safe? And is that kind of what transitioned your practice from like more conventional base to now? Like how can, how can we remove some of, you know, these amalgam fillings or how can we do, you know, make sure that essentially the oral health is, is not being compromised with these procedures? Well, I guess I would say, you know, the question is, is what is recognized as being toxic now and, and really being legitimately like looking at the science and not just saying we've done this for 150 years, uh, it, it's safe. So that's not really true. So it, the, other, the other aspect of it is what are, what's symptomatic and what's not symptomatic. And you, as you know, things can be going south for a while before we have symptoms like for hypertension, for example. So, so my, I guess the light bulb moment or when I turned to this other, uh, epiphany of, you know, these things are uh, apparently not causing pain and is when I, when we started to look at these 3d technologies that became, uh, available in dentistry. So in dental offices, there's been cone beam technology for a while, but it's mostly, it was in oral surgeon's hands. Uh, because they were kind of expensive. Things have come down quite a bit, but you know, you're still talking about a uh, $75,000 instrument or a hundred thousand dollar instrument. So, but when we, we, uh, and we, before we, we got uh, on this recording, we talked about thermography a little bit and what we see if we overlap or if we take in that information in from a 3d and then we use thermography, we can see that it kind of overlaps. So what, what we find out now is that in these areas where there's hidden infections, the pH or or the or the uh, bone, you know, whatever it is, bone or tissue, the pH is lower, about five, like five point five pH instead of, you know, more neutral, and so that that's uh, also comes with a little bit more heat, and that's why we can pick them up on the th- on the thermography, and then of course the corresponding problems you see on the 3d are like you mentioned necrosis of the bone. Um, and these are all, it's amazing, but they're all like asymptomatic. So, so yeah. And what happens is you get a host of bacteria and we, we now do DNA on these things. This is what I mean by the evidence is totally clear. So I, I study Weston Price and I know you, you, uh, you're, Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah, You're, you're a big advocate of eating nose to tail. And I, I mean, this is why I think we get along really well talking some more, maybe we could do a part two, but the idea of supporting the systems, we need all these nutrients. And, and I know I saw one of your podcasts regarding like birth control, but there are a number of medications that just deplete you. And you know that, but you, for your audience, I mean, yeah. every, every medication depletes you of zinc and magnesium and B vitamins. And so, um, of, of course you you also have the stressor of these, of these heavy metals, which cause oxidative stress. So anyway, it's just, it's just a, a myriad of like issues that come along with having these things in the mouth. So, and I guess I was initially mad, you know, I would say 
uh, disappointed that that schools don't recognize this. And um, I just try to be uh, I try to be open and say what's the truth. And I don't really care uh, about whether it's conventional or not. And I look at my evidence and I study really hard those subjects, and then I apply them to my practice. And that's I think we're all if we look at scope of practice, and you you know about scope of practice with uh, with your field because you don't prescribe medications. So yeah. what you're trying to do is support systems that are, are down and systems like thyroid are down from mercury systems. Like the GI is totally screw up, um, from, uh, you open gap junctions, uh, similar to like glyphosate with the mercury. So, I mean, this is, this is the stuff we talk about with our patients. We talk about, um, like supporting systems that might be down I never, I never, ever say I can make someone healthy, like from a systemic issue because I'm not a physician, but I can say we can lighten the load. And most of my colleagues, and they're all over the, the world, you know, but we're, we're in short supply. We actually need more holistic dentists. So I owe that, that's why I do podcasts because I want more people to hear what we're talking about. I mean, I, it's never too late to to change what you're doing if it's, if it's the, for the right reasons. Um, but for our patients, what we, we see a lot of times is uh, a good example would be just sinusitis getting mercury mm. out because people, people tend to be, uh, allergic. They think maybe 20%, six to 20% of patients are allergic to mercury or at least some of the metals because it's, you know, it's a, um, a combination, amalgam is a combination of, of mercury, which is half, 52% mercury. <laughs> and then you put silver, um, copper and, uh, tin in there and you kind of mix it together and then they put it in teeth and it's supposed to be stable. And that's what we talk about, but the FDA and the ADA now, uh, even on their website, will say there's, there's vapor that comes off of these things. So it is true that they release vapor, which was not told to me when I was going to school and the FDA now has made a statement in the in 2019, I believe, or it could have been last year. Well, it's 22 now. It could have been 2020. But they basically said that certain individuals shouldn't have mercury placed in their mouth. So they're kind of hedging and saying, but I just, I like to disseminate information that's available on a website. If they look up, any of your listeners look up FDA amalgam filling, they'll see the recommendations are pregnant women, nursing women, or women that want to become pregnant, um, children under eight, uh, patients or people with uh, kidney dysfunction, and also possibly dementia or kinds of uh, cognitive difficulties. Those people shouldn't have mercury fillings, but the other people could. And so that's where I start to say this is kind of blurring the lines between, I mean, we're all pretty similar. Uh, but, you know, the problem is we're not testing. Let's say we want to put a mercury filling. Are we testing for M MTHFR or EPOE or whatever? You know, these different uh, these different uh, genes that we're looking at for detox. So really nobody should have mercury fillings is what my, my point is here, just having this conversation. So <clears throat> anyway, this is, this is the journey I've been on. And I like to just give, I, I like to just educate. And that's what you seem to do educate people and then they can make the decisions for themselves. I feel like the truth needs to come out on a lot of things in this world um, as we're seeing with the, some of the narratives that are coming out now. But we really need to know the truth about 
I mean, they should have been talking about vitamin D and zinc and things early on uh, in the last couple of years. So uh, those things are really important. In fact, you know, I, I can go on a tangent with that, but I don't want to now. But um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with all of that. I, so, so in your dental dentistry schooling, did you guys ever learn about Dr. Weston Price? Oh, that's another absent. Uh, yeah, that's the thing that I have to, I have to like defend the dental schools because they do have to teach a lot of things. I yeah, would, I get that. I would say, you know, it could be five years easy, uh, because easily because of the, just the pharmacology alone and, and some of the other things that are going on. Uh, but I would say I never learned about Weston Price until I was holistic. And that's unfortunate. That is because uh, he yeah. is, he, he, his work is fascinating. I mean, obviously, as you know, but I feel like, I don't know how, I guess how you guys would fit that in with all that you have to do, but I, I just can't, he's such a famous researcher and practitioner that I just can't believe that it's not talked about. Yeah. He was actually ADA president for over 10 years, I think. And he did some great research at the time. And then he also did a lot of epidemiological studies, as you know, going around the world. And and uh, what I do mention most of the time to patients is, and I have support for this in the office, is uh, K2 mm-hmm. and D3 for uh, for caries, but also for, you know, decay for also for uh, bone health. So, we're using a matrix, a bone matrix. I'm not going to mention the the source, but uh, it's basically like you talk about taking taking uh, nose to tail and and uh, maybe desiccated uh, liver and things like that. Um, organ uh, supplements. I'm trying to do that with patients that, of course, they want it would accept it. It's all the patient's decisions to do these things, but of course, um, yeah, but. What he what he found out, and you know the 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 X factor or the price factor was K two, and if I ever write a book, it's going to be about K two because let's talk about that because I mean that's that is not a nutrient that's you know vitamin D is well known, zinc is well known, but like I you almost never hear about vitamin K, especially vitamin K two. Yeah, so one of the good examples I will give uh, the audience is is Dr. Price. Uh, was in Cleveland and he, he noticed that the kids in juvenile, the boys in juvenile delinquent uh, boys in these schools were, had a lot of cavities. So he, he basically said, get, he put them in shorts and got them out in the sun and, and made them uh, oil pull or just put uh, coconut or not coconut, I'm sorry, um, butter and uh, fermented cod liver oil in their mouths. And that's what he did to treat them. And, and, or, you know, one aspect of it. So you have fermented cod liver oil has, uh, of course, the the good fats that you always talk about, but it has K2 in it. So these fermented things have vitamin K2, which, so I always say you're eating the sun uh, because it, it actually goes from a plant to us. You know, it's it's actually chlorophyll that becomes K, K1 and then K2 is converted to K2 or K1 is converted to K2 in animals by their bacteria. And we don't do it as well in our gut. So we kind of need it as an outside source, kind of like D3. We don't really make as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Some some mammals actually make D3. It's like we got gypped a little bit there. Somewhere. Yeah, I know. <laughs> some it's like mammals, some of them make vitamin C. We don't. Yeah, I know. Uh, anyway, maybe someday I don't even want to talk about what we could do with genetics, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to do that. 
uh, have a little solar panel on our on our back or something. But the idea is that he was trying to cure them of other uh, of the cavities. But in his adult population, he was seeing all the systemic diseases. He's like, why are my patients, you know, dying of heart attacks and what? So the K two happens to be this this beautiful thing that helps with calcium and the concentration of calcium in the blood. And I know you're really good at simplifying things and I like to try to do that for your audience. But so calcium is highly regulated in the blood because if you have too much, you're going to die, <laughs> uh, you know, of a heart attack or something uh, from, a, you know, just from the sort of the arrhythmias and things that could trans, trans, uh, can, can develop. But so calcium in the, in the blood needs to either be dumped out. So it calcifies like kidneys uh, tartar in the teeth or arteries if there's not enough K2. If there's enough K2, there's, uh, you know, dontoblasts and teeth, there's the, the K, there's K2, and it'll pull the, it actually, what it does is it activates a couple proteins that bring calcium into the cell. So the calcium isn't abundant and doesn't know where to go. Like it'll precipitate out into arteries and kidneys and that kind of stuff. Do you still hear me? I'm like, yep. Screaming. Yeah. Yeah. We're uh, good. Uh, so, so it'll precipitate it out, uh, if it's, if K2 is not available, but then if it's available in, in abundance, which doesn't have to be that much, I, I'm thinking about 200 micrograms per day, or, you know, I recommend, uh, when you have 5,000, uh, IUs of D3, you're taking like a hundred. So I say that kind of ratio, there are other people that recommend a little bit more. And I actually, I don't think there's an upper limit of of, of K2 that would hurt you. I don't think it would. It's hard to test for, but anyway, so what happens when there's an abundance of that, then, then it facilitates the calcium to go into cells and bone and cells and teeth. We also know, and I can go on a big discussion about K2, but K2 actually activates the, uh, the parotid gland is our largest gland for saliva. And it actually is an endocrine gland, which, which I didn't know until recently, until I went to one of these, uh, a Canadian dentist was talking about it and I've seen his lecture two times, but it activates the brain to cause this fluid, this fluid motion in teeth. So in other words, a movement of like a, teeth are like fountains and they actually, a vital tooth is like a fountain. This is where I get down to the nitty gritty about root canals because a tooth is a vital structure and we don't think about it like that. And you're a chiropractor, so you know. Teeth actually are sensory organs, and I feel like, okay, you know, a tooth knows you're eating a piece of gristle, or the tooth knows it's you're eating a carrot or whatever, and I think it sets the scene for enzymes. I, that's my personal opinion. I don't know if I've read too much about that, but teeth are all, all connected to different organ systems, organ in the body, just uh, uh, similarly to like, uh, you know, the brain has a homunculus of the body on lay overlaid on it. So, so what happens is the K2, um, stimulates the brain to, to make fluid pulse out of the tooth. So it's resistant to decay and plaque and all that. And that's, that's a fascinating subject to me. And, uh, when it's not there, you're more susceptible to, to, to decay. Also, it seems to do other things like locally in, in tissues. So, but K2 is amazing. And, and yeah, a lot of people don't know about it. And um, this, it'd be the greatest thing if you get that out there to the world, you know, as much as you, if much as you can. 
Yeah, absolutely. Do you do you prefer supplementation or whole food? Maybe a mix of both. Yeah, and I actually did a podcast on Western Price. Uh, if if people want to listen to me again, <laughs> um, and the, the Western Price one, we talked about Gouda cheese and fermented. Ooh. I mean, I don't eat natto, but uh, fermented soybean is is the source that a lot of companies will use to make the the, the supplement itself. So the supplement itself is uh, produced by the bacteria fermenting the soybean. And um, it's, it's, I think it's uh, MK7. Of course, there's a MK1 all the way up to some other number. Uh, so four seems to be a, a synthetic one that's made. So if you look for a supplement, it should say seven, if, if, or you could get the whole spread of them, I think, in some times. But Gouda cheese uh, has it. And um, the fats that you always talk about, Grass-fed, pasture-raised is the good stuff. And I like how you say, not that the other stuff's bad, but pasture-raised is probably the best. And that's what, what Weston Price saw all these populations eating and using those animals from uh, that were just grass-fed or, or pasture-raised. And that produces the, the direct link that I described earlier, which is eat the grass. And actually in Sanskrit, you know, in India, in Sanskrit, there's a there's a spring ghee, you know, ghee, the clarified butter. That's the other source that you could get ghee. Actually, I tell people to oil pull with ghee. Do you over coconut oil? Only because it has the it has the the fat soluble vitamins in it. But if someone has a lot of periodontal disease, I'll say hit it really hard with coconut oil, and that starts to degrade the tartar and kill some bugs. But but anyway, so in Sanskrit, there's a name for the spring ghee. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Like, because that new chlorophyll, that new grass has more potency. So then the, the, ga- the, the grass is eaten by the sacred cow and the sacred cow produces the sacred cheese and milk and fat and all that. So That's so cool. Yeah. So just kind of backtracking for a second, if people don't know what oil pulling is, yeah, can you explain that? Well, oil pulling, I used to think meant pulling through your teeth, which it does sound like that. And actually that's, that's what you do, but pulling is pulling into the fat. So, so you have a, a fat, it could be olive oil, sesame oil, coconut oil. Um, and I, like I described butter or, or ghee and you're pulling out like toxins, bugs and everything because it goes, because it's lip of a lot of stuff's lipophilic and it, it likes the fat. So it, it'll move into that fat. And, that's what oil pulling is. Now, this is amazing, but this is what I like to, why I go down like these rabbit holes with different subjects. But 2000 years ago, they knew if you oil pulled, you could cure arthritis or make arthritis less severe. Now, how did they know that? <laughs> it's just observations, you know, that it, so what happened was periodontal gum, gums would heal up, gums would not bleed anymore, and you wouldn't have that inflammatory system, you know, activating other cytokines in the, in the body. But they, they, they basically knew it did this, this, and this way back then. And, you know, Chinese medicine offers a lot of that kind of information to us because they, they, uh, they look at the whole body. Uh, and we kind of, a lot of times we specialize and we don't really look at the whole body, uh, the way, so oil pulling is from, from one or two minutes to 10 minutes. And, what we do, we say, you know, spit, spit it out. If it's, if it's the saliva starts to build up, you kind of, you, 
you could actually look up oil pulling. It's probably videos on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you you spit it out, but don't spit it all out. And we usually say, you know, spit it in the garbage or in your neighbor's lawn because <laughs> not your lawn, your neighbor's lawn. <laughs> because because it'll you know it'll it can clog the drains and stuff like that. So. No, yeah, definitely. Do not do that down the drain. Um, So you you mentioned something really interesting there. You talked about how you talked about like how the body doesn't work independently, which is obviously something I talk a lot about. And I think the same kind of goes for oral care. So can we talk about how the body is connected and how you as a as a biological dentist can see that through the mouth. Okay. Well, one of the great things is you can look into the body when you look in someone's mouth. So, you know, you don't think about it that way, but you're looking in someone's body and it's the beginning of the, it's the entrance to the alimentary canal. It's the entrance, you know, the other end, you know what the other end is, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a long tube. And so we look in someone's mouth and we can see, I'm not really into looking at tongues in terms of like, uh, geographic tongue and learning, but you can see uh, soft tissue can be strange. And then we think about B vitamins and we think about maybe deficiencies. Of course, we know about scurvy from many, many years ago. Captain Cook uh, f- sailed around the world and discovered, you know, there was a problem with, uh, with his, they thought it was a, they thought it was a disease on the, on ships, but it turned out to be scurvy. Um, and then, so they started to carry sauerkraut, which had vitamin C. So that was one of the first vitamins we, we discovered. Right. And that was just for, actually you, you probably know it it helps with making collagen, which is like 60% of your protein in your body is collagen. So you can see if you didn't have enough vitamin C, you're, you're going to fall apart because it makes up a lot of your your periodontal ligaments and your gums and stuff. So, so that's one thing we look at. We look at bleeding, you shouldn't bleed. You shouldn't, if you floss, you shouldn't bleed. If you brush your teeth, you shouldn't bleed. Uh, there's a very, like the most intimate connection, maybe opening to your body is it's even more vulnerable than like your, your gut because your gut has this, all the mucus uh, lining, but your mouth. So right around the gum, there's, there's a tight junctions. Uh, we call it long, long junctional epithelium so that there's these there's these sticky sort of cells that stick to the side of the teeth. And if that's, if that's opened, so people floss aggressively, they'll open that. And then there's a communication directly to the gum into the bloodstream. So when you have a periodontal pocket, when you have gums develop into where there's bleeding, what, what's inside that is anaerobic bacteria that release these like uh, sulfur kind of compounds, mercaptan, sulfur dioxide. So we can smell disease, you can see disease and uh, signs and symptoms of that. Of course, you see bone loss or recession, you know there's bone loss. If you see pockets, you know there's bone loss. And then what happens right at the gum is uh, these these cytokines, which everybody hears the word cytokine now, but there are, there are uh, chemicals made by cells to communicate with each other and also with distant sites in the body. So IL-6, interleukin-6, uh, tumor necrosis factor, different ones are released. And actually they, you probably know this, I'm sure you know this. If you have a fulminant, like really bad periodontal disease, you might see a patient with C-reactive protein up higher. Mm-hmm. And it's actually directly related to that. 
And there was one study I read where someone had really bad gum disease and um, they really had to have all their teeth removed. So they did the C-reactive protein pre and post uh, extraction. And within 12 weeks, the, the C-reactive protein got back to normal after the gum disease was taken care of. So anyway, those are the things that I kind of geek out with this stuff, just like you do. It's like fascinating to me. And I like to I like to tell patients, talk to patients about at whatever level I can talk to them. And I try to keep it within reason of, uh, you know, not getting too deep. Although I do sometimes talk to. No, too no. Yeah. I mean, it's like I've, I'm over here just taking it all in because that's, I don't know, that's how I, there's no such thing as too much information. Yeah. So, so one, I definitely, I have a question about, uh, when your gums bleed, that was something that I got, I hate for some reason, I've always kind of been scolded with that because yeah. I have a horrible sometimes habit of flossing. Now I'm very routine with it. I'm very yeah. good with it. And my gums don't bleed. But I also noticed that I have, if I have less before I started eating more healthy nose to tail fats, I noticed that my teeth were a lot worse. Yeah. I also do like mouth taping and like, I, I really try to take care of my right. oral health, like oil pilling and all this stuff. And I do feel like it's made a difference, but yeah. if someone is like me and maybe notice that their teeth are super sensitive when they floss, like what might that be something like an indication that something else is off? Well, there, there are a couple of signs and symptoms when you have bleeding, you could have if you're aggressively flossing, like I said, you're opening up that little that little gasket that's created by the gum. So you have to be careful when you floss. And actually, I don't recommend unless you're very good dex have good dexterity. I don't recommend uh, doing a lot of flossing. I know that might sound a contrarian. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I'd rather do oil pulling, water picking. Um, and there's some studies that show that water picking is probably could be as efficacious or better, excuse me, or better than, um, you know, better than flossing. But so, so what you, you said a couple things, we can go back to the Western price diet, but when you start eating too many carbs, you're going to get a change in the microbiome in your mouth. So I tell patients plaque is okay. Plaque is good until it's not good. Mm -hmm. So it's good plaque. So you have a good, like your microbiome, you talk about in the down, down below, uh, your mouth you know, it starts to change. In fact, you probably know how it, it changes. Uh, there's some really cool studies with stool sampling where the bacteria actually change depending on if you put it, if you put someone on antibiotic, it starts mm -hmm. to change back and forth. And so the mic, I don't want to decimate the microbiome in the mouth. Uh, so I don't like harsh astringents, like some of the alcohol based things. And so I, <clears throat> I'd rather have, I love the bells behind you or wherever you are. Oh, you can hear them? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I nice. I've nice. noticed a more um like so we have some in the front of the house and then in the back of the house. I always notice it, but I'm noticing it more in the front of the house. I'm glad you can hear it. That's something yeah, my it's listeners peaceful. always point out and so no, it makes me nice. happy when you can hear them. Yeah, it's nice. Um sorry. Uh so so what you're saying about bleeding, um uh, I also wanted to mention cuz I listened to some of your podcasts about 90% of women will during their cycle will have some type of bleeding. So that's also because of the estrogens and the mm. hormone changes. That's another thing you can, you could tell your audience and talk to your audience about um, when we do part three, because it sounds like we could do a lot of talking <laughs> to your audience, but 
Yeah. So the flossing too aggressively is a problem because then you're opening up that, that communication again from the mouth. And there are 700 species of bacteria in the mouth. And once you start changing it, uh, and you have pocket formation, you have more of the aggressive anaerobic bacteria that don't use oxygen that produce, uh, more of the harsh chemicals, uh, lipopolysaccharides, which are, you know, they talk about lipopolysaccharides being a problem, uh, systemically in a lot of different, um, inflammatory conditions. So bacteria make, it's actually their exo endo, endo, um, they're either their cell membrane or they produce them. So they're, they're, they're two different types. And these chemicals they make also, uh, can cause clotting issues and problems. So the whole thing changes. And a good example is a diabetic that would be out of control in terms of their blood sugar. What'll happen is the fluid around the, the, the teeth will increase in sugar level. And then that like produces a, a, uh, a nice substrate for bacteria to grow. And you can imagine if you had a, a, a pocket, if people understand where it's not healthy and you can go down the side of a tooth, you know, more than like five, four or five millimeters and you're into the gum, that's a periodontal pocket where bacteria are living that are um, not the good kind. And um, so those, those produce these lipopolysaccharides that the body really can't handle as well. So the neutrophils have to take them and, and digest them. And so it can be overwhelming sometimes when you have like multiple infections maybe. But what happens is the diabetic, the sugar comes into the cravicular fluid in a higher level in the fluid around the teeth and that they have a party and grow and, and they, uh, they, they become more abundant. So that's why diabetics, they actually root canals fail twice the rate. They have more periodontal conditions. Uh, it's a, it's one of the worst diseases really, uh, to have as far as oral conditions. Um, but so you were saying about bleeding. Um, yeah. So what you did was you changed your, what you can recommend to your patients are changing, of course, getting off the carbs. I know you mentioned, I just listened to your podcast before Thanksgiving. Uh, I call it sugar season. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) sugar season starts around Thanksgiving. Well, Halloween, you know, October, and then, um, it just keeps going. I mean, they, they have two aisles of candy and, uh, I did a little video on that, but, uh, it's just unbelievable amount of sugar. Um, and I like to say that in eight, in 1900, well, in 1800, it was, it was, it was, uh, four pounds of sugar per person per year in 1800, 1900, it was already up to, uh, over a hundred pounds per person per year. And then when Weston price was kind of working, that was, that was why people were getting sick. There was just abundant sugar and there wasn't the notion of hygiene as much now then. So they weren't really taking care of themselves uh, in terms of the plaque. So the plaque got so bad and the sugar was the sugar was introduced. Um, and then when you eat more sugar, you lack the, uh, the nutrients that you need. In other words, your calories come from sugar and then, and then we can go in a plant oil, uh, sidebar sometimes. Oh, I know. So 60% of your calories are from sugar, different kinds of sugars and, and plant oils. And then you only have 40% to get the rest of your nutrients. And so it's like a deficiency problem and a sugar problem. So you don't have the K2 and you have all this sugar. And, uh, I mean, we're all not perfect. Like you say, 
you know, sometimes you have a piece of chocolate, but it's, it's, it's rare. It should be, it should be at the end of a meal and just a little treat and that's it. Maybe then brush your teeth. But, um, I think I answered your question and you, you know, did, you did. That, yeah, no, that was, that was great. And so, and I selfishly like really wanted to know that question because no, like, you should I feel ask, like, you should ask all the questions you want because that's what your audience loves anyway. So, yeah, well, I, I hope so. And I hope that they're relatable because like, I was always so confused when they were like, you know, you've got some plaque on your teeth. It looks like you need to floss more. I'm like, why? I eat so healthy. You know, I think I do a good job brushing my teeth. They're like educating me on how to brush my teeth. And I'm like, I think I know how to brush my teeth. Yeah. Or at least well, I like to hope so. Yeah, um, no, it's good that they do that because it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And I was like, okay, well, there was definitely some things that I, I, I incorporated more of, but then I got discouraged because I feel like I was oil pulling more. And then I was still told to, told to floss more. And I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta figure something out. But I do, I will say that when I really started to become a little bit more metabolically healthy, not that I was ever overweight. Um, I've always been in like a healthy weight. I've always been super fit, but I definitely was more of a sugar burner previously, yeah. you know, eating a lot more carbs, especially, you know, not processed carbs, but carbs that turned into sugar that, you know, love to feed bacteria in your mouth and in your gut. My teeth were like, I definitely noticed more plaque. Whereas now I, when I go to brush or floss, I almost rarely ever notice plaque yeah. ever. And I think that a lot of that's diet wise, but obviously like good oral routine, um, and things like that. So kind of transitioning a little bit with kind of talking about like my routine, what are, as, as a biological dentist, what are, what is your like holistic oral care look like? What do you like to use for toothpaste? I know that I use like a hydroxy appetite one. I'd love to know your opinion on that. Um, like opinion kind of like that versus certain ones with fluoride. And I know there's a lot of controversy, obviously you do oil pulling, like what frequency, like what is your oral care routine look like? Yeah, well, so the interesting thing is when Weston Price went around the world, he didn't see he didn't look at people that had toothbrushes, but they had no decay or had very little. So we know it's the plaque and we know it's the sugar. Mm -hmm. uh, so the food that they had was protective. So I don't really think I mean this might sound terrible about getting rid of your plaque, but I think you need to disrupt and oxygenate your plaque or your your mouth. So oil pulling and, and, and rinsing with water. I don't like astringents like, like with alcohol. Mm -hmm. I don't like, uh, I don't like toothpaste with, uh, stannous fluoride because I mean, I think these things, uh, if you really look into it, um, they may not be as beneficial as, as we were led to believe over the years. Um, they can be, uh, endocrine disruptors or they could be enzyme disruptors. I mean, uh, but so you want to disrupt the plaque. So all the agitation, maybe w water picking, but toothpaste, like I'm not going to name any brands, but the, the hydroxy appetite might have some relevance if you have a lot of uh, decalcifications mm -hmm. and, and maybe abfractions. I wanted to tell you about that from, cause I know you lift, mm. but clenching and grinding causes inflammation too. Mm -hmm. And so maybe wearing a splint when you're lifting is, is a good idea or a night guard. A lot of people will um, grind their teeth because uh, I know you said you're taping. So um, many, many people will mouth breathe and, and clench and grind. It sounds like it's counterintuitive, but what, <laughs> happens, what, what happens is people will fall asleep with their mouth open. And then when they're needing air, they'll clench uh, to thin out the muscles to get a bigger airway, sort of like uh, in the process of clenching, um, 
all these muscles actually sort of contract at the same time. But then you do these long, a lot of people clench, but grind and they'll do these long, uh, right to left patterns where it'll, it'll just shave off the canine. So if you ever patients that have flat canines, if anybody wants to look in the mirror while they're watching this, listen to the podcast, if their canine's not pointy, that means they're probably going from side to side because we don't chew that way mm-hmm. and we don't wear our teeth down from, from just eating. Uh, so it's a clenching. It's a, it's what we call a, a, a habit, you know, a, uh, a habit we can't control. It's happening at night and it's usually airway related. So snoring, if someone snores very loudly, they probably need a splint or night guard, or they need a snore guard and the people with CPAPs definitely need a night guard. Mm. Um, so I know I went from the toothpaste. So I, I just say disrupt the plaque daily, uh, maybe even more than once a day, but definitely every 24 hours, they should, it should be really move. So that, that microbiome that I was telling you in the, in the people that were observed, that plaque was a healthy plaque. And the reason it's not healthy is when you start to feed it with the carbs and then Mm -hmm. you have a competing, uh, you know, that, uh, I guess to describe a, a biofilm would be a good thing to say. Now we have biofilms in our gut. We have biofilms everywhere in your ear and your you know, vaginal area, there, there's biofilms everywhere. And it's just, mm-hmm. a, it's a bunch of bugs that have glycoproteins protecting them and they're a colony sharing DNA, sharing all kinds of stuff. But when they start to get fed the, the stuff that they like or they use, they'll outcompete. So there's yeast overgrowths with people eating a lot of sugar uh, in the gut. You probably know that. Um, so that microbiome changes. In fact, it's changes in the presence of mercury as well. And that's something I could add uh, just at the end of this podcast. I don't know how long you're going, but um, the the mercury actually changes bugs uh, because they're trying to, I think, deal with the mercury vapor. So um, they put in a piece of DNA uh, to try to defend off, and they also get microbiota or antibiotic resistance um, doing that. It's it's crazy, but but all this goes together. So if you did stool samples on patients um, and you see antibiotic resistant bugs, if they get the mercury out, it actually switches back. So this is all the stuff that I studied into in depth that I could talk a lot about, but there's a woman who's been studying this for years and um, she knows the, they know the exact mechanism of all this. It's, it's not really uh, not understood now at this point, but, but mercury fillings create, um, antibiotic resistance in, in individuals that have mercury. So, um, anyway, plaque changes for a number of reasons, but I think the biggest reason is sugar and then the mercury, like I said, um, and, and you have to, you have to get every side of every tooth, you know what I mean? You can't, you can't miss places. So there are, there's a, there are niches that the bugs like to live in. And then we create niches when we do, we call it iatrogenic iatrogenic dentistry when you do a crown or a filling that's has an overhang or it's not as adapted to the teeth dentistry is very difficult um, to do correctly and so sometimes it's just hard to do and so it's not always the dentist's fault but you know a filling could be too long into the gum or wide or whatever it's harder to clean it's harder to clean around implants so you have to have a, a way to irrigate. So that's why I like water picking and, uh, and oil pulling. So you're moving those, you're getting rid of those things every, every day. 
I need to get a water pick. Yeah, water picks are great. You could squirt your your family with it too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so for people who like in an oil pulling, I need to get back in the in the habit of that. I was doing so well with it. How often would you recommend people do it? Yeah, so I I was saying uh, every day, but like so if I had a periodontal patient, I know they they have a ton of tartar. And we're going to start to do their cleaning, you know, the next time they come in, I'll say hit it every day for two weeks or straight and try to do, but I would say on a regular basis, maybe once or twice a week. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't do it every day. Now you could use ghee. You could switch it around. You could say coconut oil one day and you know, the next day, the next time you switch it. Okay. And do you, do you like to do it in the morning? Do you like to be able to brush your teeth afterwards? Well, like you said, you go to bed and you're like in bed for nine hours, eight hours. I think, yeah. I think oil pulling at night is a great, oh, way to do it. I'm going to do it tonight then. All right. Done deal. <laughs> I was doing it in the morning. Like I would be warming up my water for my apple cider vinegar, which that's also probably not good, but I do brush my teeth after I promise, because yeah. I know that that can like mess with the enamel, but, um, but so I was doing it in the morning, but now I'm going to do it at night. Because then, and then I would just brush my teeth and go to bed. Like I wouldn't brush my teeth and then oil pull, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you could, um, you could brush your teeth, then oil pull. I don't know if it really matters what order, but you could also do it in the morning. I just, I think I find it might be more important to do because your saliva level decreases at night. And then you also, um, you know, well, you could be mouth breathing, possibly, uh, and you don't have as much saliva basically to wash away. Yeah. Black. Yeah. That's, that's probably, I'd say like I used to be a mouth breather before I was doing mouth taping and that was like, I definitely noticed more plaque. So, I mean, that makes a lot of sense where like the saliva is so important to help keep your teeth healthy. Yeah. Um, so when you're mouth breathing and your mouth is all dry, you know, it just, it makes so much sense. But um, yeah, I just learned that um, the saliva actually produces nitric oxide, which I just, I read that just recently. Interesting. That, that is so fascinating. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. That's why it's great to just keep studying. Cause I agree. I, I always admit, I don't know everything. And then when, as you're doing this, you're like, I don't know anything. <laughs> I know. I feel like the more that I learn, the less that I know, you know, because <laughs> it, it opens your world to so many things. You're like, I don't know anything. Yeah. That's okay. Um, I yeah. was the same, like this morning I was reading a really interesting article on like glutathione and vitamin D and how levels are typically it's every single day I'm trying to, to learn something. And so I think that's what the world, the world needs a lot more of practitioners like you who are constantly, we're willing to admit that we don't know everything, but we will find out and and explore and and practice more. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We will definitely have to set up a part two. Um, I'd love that. Can you tell everybody where they can find you connect and learn from you? Yeah, well, so my name is Mark, and with a C, Dinola, D-I-N-O-L-A. I do have a, a website, mddentalwellnesscenter.com. And Where do you I, practice out of in case people are local to you? Um, I'm out of, in Western Maryland, like two hours from D.C., two hours from Baltimore, two hours from Pittsburgh. So I'm kind of like sl- in the in the panhandle of Maryland. Okay. And, I think uh, we've got, I, de- I think I definitely have some listeners from that area. Lavelle, Maryland, yeah. And, uh, it's, it's close to Altoona, Bedford. Um, you know, I'm, we had, uh, our children in, um, Morgantown is 73 miles away, like due West. So we have a nice highway system through the town. 
to get here. I have patients coming from distances and it's pretty convenient for most people. I also have a, I also have a, uh, a YouTube channel, uh, with just my name and I explain what biological dentistry is on there. And I haven't really added too many things lately, but I, I have a nice one with, a uh, my friend, Dr. Tom, uh, Dr. Uh, Rob Abbott. He's an MD who's holistic. And we just, just have a nice conversation outside. I was, I was at near, um, have you ever heard of Polyface Farm in, um, in, um, Virginia? Anyway, we were just down there, uh, to visit the farm. It's, it's a, Great, great place. I just plugged Polyface Farm, I guess. But uh, Joel Salatin is a, is a rebel kind of uh, guy who's been talking about regenerative agriculture. And and that's another subject we could talk about. You should get someone on talking about regenerative agriculture. I did. I had um, I had Anya Fernald on. We talked about that. Oh, fantastic. Anyway, he talks about that it's actually carbon new, uh, negative. Yes. And so this is what this is what I'm worried about, because if you read the the soy patties things that they're selling. Know, it's just, it's, it's, it, and, and they're also saying it's the panacea for, you know, not eating beef uh, is the panacea for the global stuff, but carbon stuff. So it just, it makes me a little upset that anyway, that's why I like the truth, digging at the truth, like really looking at things. Uh, anyway, I, those are the places you can find me. My website has a lot of nice, um, discussions about sort of simply put what these different aspects that we discussed today, different treatment options. I mean, I do ceramic implants and I do a surgery and I use ozone, which is another thing we can mm-hmm. talk about sometimes. Um, actually ozone would be like, this would be a beautiful subject to talk about now with all the antibiotic resistance, you know, that's happening because you can use it systemically and for Lyme disease people use it for, but um, anyway, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Awesome. And I will make sure I include all that stuff in the show notes, but thank you so much for taking the time to come on and, and nerd out a little bit on all of this stuff. I know I definitely learned a lot and, and have some things I'm going to work on. I'm going to do some oil pulling tonight. And, um, this was so great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And and thanks for, uh, inviting me. I, I really, uh, I like the, the format, just having a nice conversation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.